they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. Mary Danielle, I can't believe we were through uh, the holiday season, but we're not out of Christmas season, are we? No, we're not. Christmas is still here. We have, there you go. Um, on um, Sunday is the, the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, right? and that's then that begins ordinary, what we call ordinary time. Yeah. The last feast in connection with Christmas is February 2nd, right. the Feast of the Presentation. Awesome. Well, Mary, uh, we've been talking a little bit. I had you on the Terry and Jesse show about this world vision. What is God's world vision? What is our world vision? And it seems like the world right now is left God out of the picture and trying to, you know, make things go the way according to man. And we're just, it's just so much confusion. So can we talk about a world vision by what God's world vision is? I think we can. And I think he's made it clear to us in the Holy Scriptures and his revelation. He revealed himself to us. Mm -hmm. And that's why we want to study the Scriptures. And and, um, I I, I have to admit, I, you know, I, I went to Mass every day all of my life, most of my life. And um, never really grew to appreciate the scriptures as much as I do at this moment in my life until I studied for biblical studies in my right. mid-50s, went back to school to get a mm-hmm. master's degree in biblical studies. And it that, that whole process of study really awakened in me a love of scripture that wasn't there before mm. and an understanding of the meaning and the importance of God's holy word and God speaking to us. Through, and he does. He speaks to us through a scripture. The word of God, as Vatican II points out very, very clearly, is first and foremost a person his son, the mm-hmm. second person of the Blessed Trinity, the uncreated Word of God, um, his only begotten son. But that revelation of God is written in the words of man, just as Jesus Christ just is the incarnation of the Word of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, took to himself flesh, he became a man, then so too the words of God are spoken to us in the scripture in human words, but nonetheless, they are God's words speaking to us, just as Jesus Christ of Nazareth was truly the second person of the Blessed Trinity who took to himself a human nature and walked among us. And that's, you know, Christmas season. We, we celebrate that. And it's not just a, a, a looking at back at the babe in the crib, but, but that whole reality of mm-hmm. looking forward to the second coming of Christ and what he intends for the future. And what does he intend actually for our life here on this earth? the coming of his kingdom. And that's what this last week has focused on in the Gospels. And you know, Mary, with that world vision of God's vision, peace comes to us. That's right. See, what happens when you tie into man's vision is chaos. It's, it's happened throughout salvation history. Right. When men put their trust in men, right. it, the people are nervous. They fall apart. Right. And things don't work out well. But we know that when we commit ourselves to doing the will of God yeah. through our daily duties, in our state in life, that peace comes by knowing that I'm, t- I'm serving my wife, I'm serving my family, I'm going to work. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm, I'm doing it for God, and I'm serving my family because that's what God wants me to do as my part of my duly, duty as a married man. Right. And every young person can do the same thing. They go to school. Why are they going to school? Oh, to get the education. Yeah, but more importantly... yeah. Fulfilling God's will in their Fulfill life. God's will. What is God's will? What What does God want me to do that's, today? Th- that's the supernatural view that I think we're lacking in our culture right now. And that's why people are hiding and they're scared because they really haven't embraced God's vision 
in their life, in my humble opinion. And one of the deals, one, one of the things that happens is when we put our trust in men, we find something out. We're all sinners. <laughs> we all fail each other. Yeah. We sin. We, we're not reliable. We try to be. We try to be honest. We try to be upright. We try to be just. But we fail. You know, that's why Jesus instituted the sacrament of confession. Yeah. That's why, you know, we, we constantly go to the Lord. And, you know, today's gospel is from Luke. And what do you have in the, the chap, chapter 5, Luke 12 through 16? And this is today's Mass. This is today's Mass. This is Friday. This is um, the weekdays of Christmas. Right. These are the weekdays of Christmas um, after Epiphany mm-hmm. until the baptism of the Lord. Mm-hmm. This is Friday of this week. And it says, it happened that there was a man full of leprosy in one of the towns where Jesus was. And when he saw Jesus, he fell prostrate and pleaded with him Mm -hmm. and said, Lord, if you wish, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I do will it be made clean. And the leprosy left him immediately. Mm -hmm. Then he ordered him not to tell anyone, go show yourselves to the priest and offer your, for your cleansing, what Moses prescribed, that will be proof for them. The report about him spread all the more, and the great crowds assembled to listen to him and to be cured of their ailments. But he withdrew to a deserted place to pray. So what's happening here? Well, we have a man who's full of leprosy. And of course, leprosy in those days, well, if you were a leper, you were ostracized from everybody and everything. You couldn't worship God in the temple. You couldn't live with your family. You had to live apart from society. People were afraid of the disease. And so this leper was an outcast, a total outcast. And he comes and he prostrates himself at Jesus' feet. Mm -hmm. And he says, he doesn't say, Lord, ask God in heaven to cure me. He said, Lord, if you wish, you can. He's acknowledging the divinity. First of all, he prostrates himself before Jesus. Whenever, you know, an angel would appear to someone in the, in the scriptures and the people prostrate themselves before the angel, the angel says, no, don't do that. I'm not God. I'm right. just a messenger. I'm just a servant like you. So Jesus accepts this, that this man prostrated himself. So this man is already making an act of adoration toward our Lord by prostrating himself before him. And then he says, if you will, you can cure me. He doesn't say, ask God. And the fathers of the church comment. It's because he is saying, St. John Chrysostom, is saying, he, he says, you can do this. This is a confession of Christ's omnipotence. Mm-hmm. St. John Chrysostom tells us that this man is confessing Christ's omnipotence, his Godhead. Yeah, people recognize that this is God. This is God. And it's interesting, in the sermon this morning, Father mentioned, Jesus works through material things. Can we go directly to God and ask him? Sure, but Jesus works through the material universe. How do we know that? Because the word became flesh. Yep. The whole reality of the Christmas season is what? That God doesn't reject his creation. He doesn't see it as evil. So much so that the second person of the Blessed Trinity takes to himself a human nature. Human nature is not corrupted and, and ugly and just horrible. It's beautiful and good because God made it. And everything that is created is beautiful and good because God made it. And it can become an instrument of God working. And God works through the human nature that he took to, him, took to himself. He touches the leper. You know what? In, in Judaism, if you touched a leper, you became richly unclean and you couldn't go to the temple. You couldn't pray. You couldn't live with your family anymore. 
But Jesus touches the leper, and instead of him becoming ritually unclean, he cleanses the leper. And of course, that leprosy represents sin within us. Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. So we want to have this vision of the world that God has. And that vision is that God is merciful. And we don't have to ask him for anything necessarily, but we need to show him our need, Thomas Aquinas says. We need to show him our need. Come before God and humbly show him our need. So this prayer, this prayer of this leper is just perfect. He's humble before God. He has faith that God can do this for him. Mm-hmm. He makes this confession. So he, his, he, his faith and his confession are joined together. And the leper showed his faith and he confessed his need to our Lord out loud. You know, I think of that scripture reading when I receive Holy Communion. Yeah. And the connection is what other piece of uh, any food that I eat, do I kneel down, make a genuflection, outward sign to acknowledge that this is the body, the Lord. blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ? Yeah. So I just think it's an interesting thought. And I would say this, that when we receive Holy Communion this Sunday, or if it's going to be today or tomorrow, or yeah, for Saturday even, uh, think about this reading and think about your preparation for receiving our Lord in Holy Communion. Amen. And and we can go on with this to understand that, you know, all of us have needs, not just physical needs. We have spiritual needs. And it's okay to show Jesus the ugliness. The leper doesn't hide his wounds from the Lord. Nope. He exposes his wounds to the Lord. The Lord can make beautiful. He can take those wounds and he can make them into jewels, beautiful jewels. And so Jesus is our physician. He can heal our selfishness, okay? He can penetrate into the depth of our soul. He can heal all of the ugliness in us, that hypocrisy, that pride, that, that you know, wanting to hurt others or wanting to get revenge or not being able to forgive. Jesus can heal all this, but we have to be truthful with him and we have to come before him and humble ourselves. And then what does it say? The beautiful thing at the end of this gospel, what does Jesus do? He cures this leper, and then he withdraws mm-hmm. to a deserted place to pray. Not to watch videos? No. Not to go, oh, yeah, exactly. I'm to pray. Yeah. Exactly. And what do we need to be doing? We need to do this. Yeah. We need Imitating. to withdraw yeah. and pray. We need to spend time with our Lord. Especially we, before the blessed sacrament. Amen. Jesus is there. He's really there, present, truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity. As he is present in heaven, so is he present in the Holy Eucharist. Wow. Can you repeat that? Because you know what? That's a powerful statement. If we truly believe, which we do as a church, but let's make it our belief. Our belief. As Christ is present in heaven, so is he present in the Eucharist. In his risen, ascended, glorified body, blood, soul, and divinity, as he sits at the Father's right hand, the victim who immolated himself, who is no longer dying, the lamb who was slain, who still bears his scars, Mm -hmm. but his scars are glorified now in heaven, and he makes intercession for us. And that's the same Jesus who's in the Eucharist, who gives himself to us as food for the journey to strengthen us to do his will, to accomplish so that he can accomplish in us all that he desires. Well said, Mary. We're going to take a quick break. Don't forget, look at our website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. We've got a spiritual warfare conference coming up on the 16th of January. You can register. You can either go online to register or call us at 877-526-2151. We have five minutes of harvest. We come back. I want to get you some great Mother Teresa. Thank you, Mother Teresa. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back. back. I mentioned, Mary, that I would tell them a little statement of Mother Teresa, and uh, it ties into our point about doing our daily duty and and really just having that world vision of God's vision. She says, holiness does not consist in doing extraordinary things. Right. It consists in accepting with a smile what Jesus sends us. It consists in accepting and following the will of God. What is the will of God every day in our life? And, you know, I'll just throw this in and I'll get you back to your scriptures. I made a comment about at the end of the day, and in before, I say a prayer about, Lord, let me do the will of God, what you want me to do today. And at the end of the day, when I do my examination of conscience, and I hope everybody does that, it's a good good exercise, to say, how well did I perform my duties in my state in life right. in doing the will of God? Right. So that's just a, a little spiritual nugget that I was that I got from a good holy priest. Right, and that's that's it. It's not, you know, being a saint is not um, rocket science. It's not complicated. It's simple. Now, when I say simple, that doesn't mean easy. Don't no. take that to mean easy. It's an arduous task. Amen. It's a constant struggle against our own f- nature, which is, remember, we don't need the devil's help to do evil. We are plenty capable of doing evil without the devil's help because of original sin. But we need God's help to do good. But God gives us that help and that assurance. And so being a saint is very simple. It's straightforward. We do the will of God. And this is what Jesus did. He came to do the will of God. Why did he come? To fulfill his father's plan. And we want to look at that. This is the world vision that Jesus gives. And what gave me the idea for this show today, actually, was we were looking, listening to Father Schmidt. And um, he and some friends, he, he talked about the reality of the current situation in our world and in the church and in our, in our country where there's so much confusion, there's so much. And he said, you know, I had my vision of what was going on and I would listen to the news and, you know, certain the conservative news. And it was like, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. But he said, I would find myself agitated afterwards. And he said, I started reading the scriptures and all of a sudden I realized when I read the scriptures, I'm not agitated inside. I find this peace. I find the presence of God and I'm being rooted in the presence of God, I have a peace, even in the midst of this confusion and darkness in our world today. And so um, he is partnered with somebody, and I'm sorry, I don't remember all the details, but you can, you can find him online, Father Schmidt, and he is going to do this worldview, this biblical worldview. He said, this is what we need, is this biblical worldview. We need to see things from God's perspective. Who made you? Basic Catechism 101, right? Who made me? God made me. Why did God make you? God made you to show forth his goodness and to share his happiness with you in heaven. What must I do to share the happiness of God in heaven? I must know him, love him, and serve him on this earth. And so we want to know, love, and serve the Lord our God. When Jesus came into the world, what does he say? Behold, I come to do your will. This is the Son of God. He comes to do the Father's will. So the second person of the Blessed Trinity, when he takes to himself a human nature, he shows us how to do the will of the Father. And what I wanted to do today is look at the readings for this week, this last week of Christmas, these Christmas days. This is still Christmas days, celebrating Christmas. 
until the baptism of the Lord. And look at these readings. And the church gives us the first letter of John. And she gives us from Monday through Saturday of this week, the first letter of John from chapter three. Let's see real quick here to get back to Monday. Thought I was all ready, right? And then I had to make open my big mouth. <laughs> so it starts with um, chapter three, verse 22. First letter of John, chapter three, verse 22. And it goes all the way to the end of this letter. So I encourage you to read that whole first letter of, the, of John. But what is John's focus in this letter? Okay, on Monday, beloved, we received from him whatever we ask because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And his commandment is this. We should believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Interesting statement there, because at the Last Supper, we know God said, love your neighbor as yourself. But at the Last Supper, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. So he ups the ante a bit. He asks us to strive for more, not just love one another, love your neighbor as yourself, but now love one another as I have loved you. Therese of Lezou had this beautiful insight. Jesus, I can't love my neighbor the way you love me. Ah. Unless, Jesus, you lend me your heart. So this became her prayer. Jesus, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor so that I might love my neighbor as you commanded. The beauty of the saints, they teach us the way to live the gospel fully. This is such a beautiful, I remember when Scott Hahn, you know, was giving all of his talks and he was talking about, you know, his conversion. He said, you know, the best kept secret of the Catholic Church are the saints, you Catholics need to get out there and tell people about these saints, these men and women who have truly lived the gospel, these men and women who are truly fully Catholic because they have become all that God desires them to be. You know, God longs for us to live in union with him. He simply wants us to do our duty daily in union with Jesus Christ, who became man, and offer that as our offering to keep his commandments and to love one another. So those who keep his commandments remain in him and he in them. And the way we know he remains in us is from the spirit he gave us. He gives us his Holy Spirit to dwell in us. And then John warns us not to trust every spirit, but to test the spirits because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how we know the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges Jesus Christ come in the flesh belongs to God. And every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus does not belong to God. So if we don't acknowledge the second person, the blessed Trinity really became man and lived among us, the God man, Jesus Christ, that the son of God became man and lived among us, then that spirit is not of God. So anyone who denies Jesus Christ as the son of God, as come in the flesh, truly incarnate is not of God. And he goes on to say, you belong to God, children, and you have conquered them. For the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They belong to the world. Accordingly, they, their teaching belongs to the world and the world listens to them. We belong to God and anyone who knows God listens to us. While anyone who does not belong to God refuses to hear us. 
This is how we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deceit. So the spirit of the Antichrist, John says, is already in the world. But we belong to God. And we stay united to God by following God, by listening to God and to do what he has taught. And of course, God is love and he teaches us to love. That means to forgive our enemies, to forgive those who hurt us and to let go of grudges and resentments and bitterness, to cease the inner dialogue and change the subject of our meditation. You know, oftentimes people confuse temptation with sin. Someone will say, I struggle with these bad thoughts. I don't want these thoughts. I reject these thoughts. I ask the Blessed Mother, I pray, and I'm getting worn down. Don't get worn down. It's okay. Don't reject, don't equate, excuse me, don't equate temptation with sin. They're not the same thing. Sin is in the will. If you choose the temptation with your will, you've sinned. But if the temptation is there, if the thoughts are in your mind and you're saying, no, I reject this, even if they don't go away, you haven't sinned, all right? And so we need to understand sin is in the will, not in the body. So we need to discipline our bodies and our minds and our wills, but we have to cease the inner dialogue. But oftentimes we need to replace that inner dialogue. Sometimes those thoughts, we need to replace them with thoughts of God. Read your scriptures every day. Read the writings of the saints. Read St. Faustina's diary, the, the mercy of God that's poured out upon us. We need to acquaint ourselves with the love of God poured out for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And we need to let this love replace our fear. We don't need to be afraid of temptation. We reject temptation, but then look at Christ. Keep a crucifix always before you and fill your mind and heart with the word of God, with his word. And look at him and say, Jesus, I trust in you. So many beautiful prayers. Father Delindo's um, uh, novena of surrender. Ten times a day we say, Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. A very beautiful biblical prayer. Jesus, I surrender myself to you. Take care of everything. Our surrender is to God, Jesus Christ. And then we trust him to take care of everything. So we belong to Christ and not to the world. And again, here we're warned, right? Those who belong to the world have worldly thoughts. If you're just listening to the news media, the mainstream news media every day, you're being filled with worldly thoughts. And believe me, they are trying to intimidate us through fear. Fear is not of God, not that kind of fear. There's a holy fear, a fear of offending God. The essence of the fear of the Lord is awe and reverence in his sight. I never want to do anything that will offend God. So I will strive to keep my mind and my heart pure, to keep my thoughts of my mind and the thoughts of my heart fixed on God. And when my imagination runs wild and all the horrible things that can happen, I'm saying, no, Lord, I'm not going to indulge my imagination. I'm not going to, I'm not going to allow myself to look at all those wild imaginings. I'm going to look at you, Jesus, and what you did. I'm going to look at the cross and I'm going to embrace the folly of the cross. I'm going to reject, I'm going to renounce, excuse me, renounce my perfect paradise. And as mother Teresa said, simply embrace your holy will. And your holy will is manifest to me moment by moment in the duties of my state in life and in the circumstances which I live. God made us to live in these times. He will give us the grace to conquer the world, but we have to trust him. So we shouldn't be listening to the world. We shouldn't, do not be watching the news hours and hours a day. You can watch the news a couple times a week 
for maybe an hour at a time. But then fill your mind and heart with the word of God and with service of your neighbor. Show your love and action by going out and finding someone in need and serving them and bringing Christ to them. So John goes on to say, Beloved, let us love one another because love is of God. Everyone who loves is begotten of God and knows God. Whoever is without love does not know God, for God is love. In this way, the love of God was revealed to us. God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might have life through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that God has loved us and sent his son as expiation for our sins. This is love. God became man. Jesus Christ offers himself. And by the way, that offering is eternal. The victim who immolated himself, no longer dying, but still offers that immolated love. The lamb who was slain still bears his scars in heaven. And he offers those to the Father in reparation for our sins, in expiation for our sins. We'll be back with more of God's worldview, which is based on him who is love. Thank you for listening. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 8th of January, 2021. We're still celebrating Christmas. And we are looking at the, God, at the letter of John. We're looking at the reading, the first reading for this week um, from the Catholic scriptures, the readings that are given to us. And they're from the letter of John, the first letter of John, beginning at chapter 3, verse 22, and going all the way to the end of that letter. And in, in chapter 4, John tells us God is love. What does that mean? That word is so misused in our society. We, we as a matter of fact, call sin love, and it's, that's wrong. That's not love. That's lust. But what is it? God is love. God exists within himself as an eternal act of love. God is not a solitude unto himself. He is a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who are continually pouring themselves out into one another in this everlasting embrace of love. And this love of the Trinity, love is diffusive. So God made creation. He made man. He made men and angels so that he can share his love with his creatures. It's a sacrificial love. And it spills over into history in the sacrifice of the son. This love that is willing to go to the cross, that is willing to take upon himself the sins of the world and make atonement for them, to make expiation for our sins. Okay? And he sanctifies us through the spirit. So the son gives his life and then he sends his spirit and the spirit sanctifies us. For John, we can be sure that God lives in us if we love others as God loves, genuinely, sacrificially, unconditionally. In this way, God's Trinitarian love is reflected on earth as it is in heaven. Now, that doesn't mean that we let people walk all over us. That's not love. Sometimes we have to be tough and we have to say, no, you're abusing me and I'm not going to allow that to happen. And you have to stop it. Okay. But we do that in charity for the sake of the salvation of the person, for, 
for people to abuse one another is not love. That's using other people as objects. The dignity of the human person is that we were each made in God's image, and each of us deserves the love that God has for us. And each of us is loved by God. We're loved into existence, and it's his love that keeps us in existence. And so this is the kind of love we have for one another, this sacrificial love that we didn't love God. God loved us and sent his son. He sent his son as the expiation for our sins. This is how God shows his love. And that was on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, John goes on and he tells us, he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. Yet if we love one another, God remains in us and his love is brought to perfection in us. And how is it that we were loved? While we were yet sinners, while we were yet enemies of God, he sent his son as an expiation for our sins. So when people hurt us, we don't have to let them continue hurting us, but we pray for their conversion. We pray for sinners to come back to the Lord. God does not will the death of the sinner. He doesn't wish the death of the sinner. He wants us all to turn to him so that we can live and be saved. This is the worldview that the enemies who attack us, we pray for them. Remember, the Bible says, heap burning coals upon the the head of your enemy by your kindness to them. Be kind to them. Pray for them. Sacrifice for them. Jesus sacrificed for us, so we sacrifice. That doesn't mean we have to let people abuse us or beat us up, okay? (laughs) But we pray for them, okay? This is how we know that we remain in him and he in us, that he has given us of his spirit. Moreover, we have seen and testified that the Father sent his Son as the Savior of the world. Whoever acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. We have come to know and to believe in the love God has for us. So to acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that means equal to the Father, that the that God is not a solitude, but a trinity of persons, a community of love and life, the original family, as St. John Paul II put it, because he is Father, he is Son, and the essence of the family, which is love, the Holy Spirit. Okay, so God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God and God in him. In this is, in this is love brought to perfection among us, that we have confidence on the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Did you hear that? Yeah. As he is. Well, wait a minute. How is Jesus? He is in heaven and he is loving. And so we in the world are supposed to be an image of Jesus. That beautiful prayer that I believe John Henry Newman, St. John Henry Newman wrote, but Mother Teresa prayed every day, radiating Christ. Lord Live in me and shine through me so that others will see the light. But the light, O oh Jesus, will be all from you. Mm. May I become just a radiance of your love so that everywhere I go, people will look up and see no longer me, but see only Jesus. Amen. And so this is we're supposed to be God's love in the world. As he is loving himself in heaven, we're supposed to be that love active in the world. We're supposed to bring the love of God to our neighbor. And then he goes on to say, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. What draws it out? 
Say that, repeat that last uh, statement, because it was powerful. There's no fear in love, There's because no perfect love. love drives out fear. So with all the fear in the world today, where's our love? Where's our love? Perfect love drives out fear. This is what made the saints. Remember, the saints went out and served the plague victims because they loved. They saw Christ in the, those people, and they wanted to bring the love of Christ. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, she went out and picked up the dying in the streets. And she said, you know, people told her, Mother, you know, you, you feed a man for a day, you know, but, but teach him to fish. And, you can, and she said, look, I'm picking up the dying out of the streets. I just want them to know that they're loved so that when they die, they can die in in." confidence in the love of God that they can be embraced and they can be brought into that eternal love that exists within the Trinity you teach him how to fish I don't have I can't teach him how to fish these people are dying it's not for me to teach him how to fish that's not what my mission is in life and each of us has a mission mm-hmm. and you know oftentimes our sufferings are connected with the mission of our guarding angel each of the angels has a mission each group of angels has a mission and you know, if we have a particular suffering, a particular temptation, maybe that has to do with the mission of our angel. And so we suffer with Christ in, in his silence. We suffer with Christ in his humiliation. We suffer with Christ in his offering of his life for others. We suffer with Christ in his being lied about, being mocked, being beaten, being spat upon. And when we suffer temptation, we can unite that with Jesus Christ's Amen. sufferings. Amen. So don't, don't be afraid of temptation and don't fear what's going on in the world today. Ask the Lord to come in and perfect your love. Ask of all of us. We need, Lord, perfect our love. Give us this perfect love that drives out fear. Remember, the apostles were afraid after the resurrection. It's true. They stayed in the upper room. They had locked doors. And then when Jesus ascended into heaven, he told them to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so they prayed the first novena, nine days from mm-hmm. the feast, from the time that Jesus ascended into heaven mm-hmm. until the coming of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost Sunday. That was nine days. And they prayed for the coming of the Holy Spirit. They didn't fully understand what that meant. But when the Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, he drove out the fear He perfected love within them. But they had suffered. Remember, they had suffered. Peter suffered the humiliation of denying Christ in his moment of crisis. And then he humbled himself. And he he had to humble himself before the Lord on the shores of the Lake of Gennesaret when he had to admit, you know, three times. Three times he had to confess his love for the Lord to make up for his threefold denial. And so God gives us the remedy for our sin in the temptation not that we give in to the temptation. We resist the temptation. And then that becomes the jewel. As St. Paul said, the Lord gave me an angel of Satan to tempt me, a thorn in the flesh, an angel of Satan to tempt me. Three times I begged him to take this from me. It's in Second Corinthians. Three times I begged him to take this from me. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For in your weakness is my power brought to perfection. So Paul says, I willingly rejoice in my weakness. Mm. For in my weakness does the power of Christ shine forth. So beautiful. So when you're tempted, when you're struggling with things, you, you can't overcome these temptations. They continue in your life. Even if you have an addiction, by the way, that you can't overcome, but that you're rejecting with your will, continue to trust in the Lord that he will save you and sanctify you through that. 
Look up the story of St. Mark G, J-I, Tianqian, T-I-A-N-X-I-A-N, that's one word, Mm -hmm. a martyr in the Chinese Boxer Revolution. St. Mark G, Tianqian, that's probably not how you say his name, I'm not Chinese, I'm not sure, but Mark is obviously Mark. His middle name was G, J-I, T-I-A-N-X-I-N, a medical doctor. Give us a little teaser, why, like let's say if you have a son or daughter or a relative or a husband who's addicted to drugs. Why is this man, Mark, why is he a model for us? Mark is a model for us because he was a doctor and he knew about treating patients. He treated the, free, the poor for free. He was a Catholic. He was a devout Catholic, a prayerful man, a pillar of his Christian community. And in his mid-30s, he developed a painful stomach ailment and he started treating himself with opium for the pain. He became helplessly addicted to the opium. Mark, went to Mass on a regular basis, confession on a regular basis. For two years, he went to confession and continued to confess this addiction to opium. He begged God to take it from him. He asked God for the strength to get rid of it. And after two years, this was in the 1800s, right. the nature of addiction wasn't understood. And at, the priest said, if you were really sorry for this sin, Mark, you would give it up. You're not sorry. I can't give you absolution. That's all the priest knew. That was... Mark didn't renounce the church. He didn't walk away from Christ. He didn't feel sorry for himself. He continued to pray. He continued going to church. He continued begging God for a solution to his problem. He never gave up going to church. For 30 years, he didn't give up going to church. He couldn't go to confession, and he couldn't receive our Lord in Holy Communion. Wow. But he prayed. He begged God. He said, Lord, I want to love you. I want you, not this addiction. So finally, he asked God, will you give me the grace of martyrdom? (laughs) And he received that grace during the Boxer Revolution, and he died a martyr. He was offered the opportunity to renounce Christ and save his life, and he said, no, I will not renounce Jesus Christ. Seems to me like he'd be a model for our culture right now, Mary Danielle. I think so. Amen. We'll be back with more with the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Don't turn that down. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to us on this Bible with the Barbers on Friday, January the 8th, 2021. I want to thank all of our listeners who listen, who support us with their financial support, who support us with their prayers, and especially those who support us with their sufferings. When you offer your sufferings for us, it's, it's very powerful indeed. And please hang in there with us. I know we've had some technical difficulties. I do answer the questions on the apps. I do see that, and, and I've had people talk to me personally to say, you know, I, I, we're trying to listen, and then the, the show will cut out. And I had the same experience yesterday. I was listening to Dr. Sandoval, and the show cut out for a while. We're working on all of this to try and, you know, iron out all of the kinks in the system whatever they may be. So please hang in there with us. Keep praying for us. Ask the Lord to send us the light that we need and the, the technician, technical help that we need to um, iron out all the kinks and, and get this so that you can listen without interruption. But you know what? Don't, don't quit just because we're having interruptions. Please hang in there with us and persevere. And by the way, just we're talking about love and, and uh, getting to heaven. This is we want this world this world, this biblical worldview, God's view of the world. We want to see things from God's perspective so that we can get to heaven. And, and the saints have told us there's one grace you cannot possibly merit. 
That's the grace of final perseverance. So every day, ask for it. Just say, Lord, I want to persevere. I want to get to heaven. And, and that, you know, for all who are struggling with addictions, with sins, with, and temptation, you know, just remember, don't equate temptation and sin. It's not a sin if you didn't give in to it with your will, okay? So, and if you're having a temptation, particular temptation you're struggling with, you can talk to a priest in confession about that and, and say, Lord, I am struggling with this temptation. Please give me the help that I need. Um, but remember, God is love and perfect love casts out fear. Fear of the Lord is not, oh, he's going to get me. He's watching over me to make a mistake. He's going to beat me up. And I just know I'm going to get in trouble. And I always mess up. And no, we look at God. Fear of the Lord, the essence of fear of the Lord is awe and reverence in his sight. We desire to please him. Lord, I'm your little child and I want to please you. Little child make mistakes, don't they? Little children. We've done spent a lot of time in the last almost year now, 11 months plus, watching our grandson. And oh my goodness, now he's learning how to crawl. He's learning how to walk. He falls. He bumps himself. He, he doesn't know what's dangerous for him. He wants to explore everything. He wants to taste everything. And it's like... <sighs> Okay, okay, let me have a breather here. It's okay. He's just a little baby. He doesn't understand. You know, he doesn't understand. And that's how we are with God. And it's like, Lord, no, I didn't understand that that would hurt me. Or, yes, I made a bad choice, Lord. I, I turned my back on you for a minute. But you know what? I turn back to you now. And I want you. I want you to perfect love within me. Cast out the fear. I don't want to live in fear anymore. And so I, I call all of us to... Read the scriptures every day, and, and especially this week. Read this letter of John. There's this Today's Friday, I realize, but, you know, we can still, we're getting to the end of the week. Um, so on Thursday, beloved, we love God because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and this is so important. This is why this letter of John is so important for us to read. If anyone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he is a liar. For whoever does not love a brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This is the commandment we have from him. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. We have to love one another. That doesn't mean you need to let people beat you up, but you need to love them. That means I'm not going to have ill will toward them. I'm not going to say, I'm just going to cut that person out of my life and they're not allowed to say hello to me. I'm not going to greet them. I'm not going to, I hope something bad happens to them. No, we pray for the conversion of people who hurt us. We pray for the conversion of sinners. God can do good through anyone. God can take any sinner and make them a saint if that person is willing to humble themselves and if someone's willing to pray and sacrifice for that person. How many saints were sinners? St. Augustine, St. Mary Magdalene, and on, St. Margaret of Cortona. You know, so many, so many saints live sinful lives. And St. Ignatius lived a very worldly life. Many saints just world, lived worldly lives. They prayed somewhat, whatever, but they were more interested in worldly things until they had a moment with the Lord where they came to know the Lord personally. And yes, this is a very Catholic thing. You know, accepting Jesus Christ into my heart as my Lord and Savior is not, not for Protestants. It's for every Christian. And it's a very Catholic thing. This is what the saints did. Not only that, they also had a very personal encounter with Christ. The, God, the, the apostles had an especially personal encounter with Christ. And remember, the word Catholic has been used of Christians since approximately 100 AD. Okay, the word Christian came into use in Corinth during the life of St. Paul. The word Catholic came into use in about 107, maybe, A.D. 
And that's the name that has been given to those who follow Christ. Catholic because it's universal. It's for everyone. Christ came to save all men. So we're supposed to invite everyone to the gospel. But invite, not force. We can't force a conversion. We can preach the gospel, and especially through our lives, through the love and concern that we have. That's what that prayer radiating, radiating Christ talks about. Preach you not by, we'll preach you, Lord, not by our words, but by our example, by the catching force, the sympathetic influence of what we do, the evident fullness of the love that our hearts bear to you. Love. This is it, love. The essence of it all is love, but a love that is self-sacrificing, a love that gives up its own will, that sacrifices itself for the good of the beloved. That means to help other people get to heaven. I will sacrifice to help other people get to heaven. I will pray. And so we have the, the um, Friday's reading from, from the letter of John. So we can't, remember, we can't hate our, our brothers that we see and think that we're loving God. So if there's hatred in your heart, if there's bitterness, if there's resentment, ask the Lord to heal it. Now, often there's our emotional wounds, okay? Is that an emotional hatred because someone has hurt you? We should hate what is sinful. We should hate sin. So, but we shouldn't hate the person. We hate the sin, not the sinner. And this is a hard distinction. We have to ask the Lord to help us to overcome hatred towards people who have hurt us in whatever way. And sometimes the perceived hurts are not so much what the other person did as how I took it, how my own wounded heart saw that particular action because I'd already been wounded by someone else in my life who had betrayed me. And so now, every, because I haven't had that past wound healed, every time someone does something that slightly looks like a betrayal, I'm immediately experiencing all the, the, the hurt of the past, and I think that it's all because of this one incident, and it's actually because of something happened in the past that wasn't healed yet. So, beloved, who indeed is the victor over the world, but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so this, this constant theme in this letter of John, that Jesus is the Son of God, that this is the true spirit, that we acknowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, that that God is not a, a solitude on himself. He's a trinity of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That he has given, he sent his Son as expiation for our sin, and he sent the Spirit to live in us, to sanctify us. So this is the one who came through water and blood, Jesus Christ, not water alone, but water and blood. Water, his baptism in the Jordan at the beginning of his public ministry, and blood, his baptism of blood on the cross when he died for our sins. He came through water and blood. Okay, not water alone, but water and blood. And the Spirit is the one who testified. The Spirit is truth. So there are three who testified, the Spirit, the water, and the blood, because you have to have a witness. The Holy Spirit is a witness. The waters of baptism, the Jesus' baptism in the Jordan is a witness. Remember, the Spirit descended on him like a dove and the Father's voice was heard. And his dying on the cross for us is a witness. The testimony of God is this, that he has testified on behalf of his son. Whoever believes in the son of God has this testimony within himself. Whoever does not believe God uh, has made him a liar by not believing the testimony God has given about his son. And this is the testimony God gave us, eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever possesses the Son has life. Whoever does not possess the Son of God does not have life. 
And I write these things to you that you may know you have eternal life, you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So God is love, and he calls us to love the same kind of love that he has, not a syrupy sentimental love, not a human love, not a love that belongs to this world only, but a love that sacrifices itself and pours itself out in love for the sake of the beloved, just as Jesus poured himself out on the cross for us. So we're called to live this worldview, God's worldview, that we accept the revelation of his son and that then we follow the son in love by sacrificing ourselves for our brothers and sisters, that we love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us and we don't allow hatred to be harbored in our heart. We're allowed to hate sin, but we're never allowed to hate the sinner. We have to forgive. And so we want to do this in love and, um, just, you know, the beautiful God is God and we are not. Without God, we wouldn't exist. If God forgot about us for one nanosecond, the smallest part of a second, it would be as if we had never been because God calls us into existence and he keeps us in existence through love. And I just want to do a quick plug here for uh, the Magi. I had a question by an app listener who asked about um, well, the Magi, where, what, what's the story? Where did they see Jesus and what? Well, if you read the Gospel of Matthew very carefully, it says that the Magi came. They came to Jerusalem looking for the king of the Jews. They told Herod. They asked Herod, where should we find him? Herod asked the scribes, Bethlehem of Judea, because to fulfill the prophecy of Micah. And so the Magi go to Bethlehem and find Jesus. Where did they find Jesus? In Bethlehem. In the stable? No. They found him in the house. They entered the house and opened their gifts and gave them to him. So apparently Mary and Joseph were still in Bethlehem, possibly intending to settle there, that Jesus would be raised there because the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. And they were there, the Magi came, and then after the presentation into the t- in the temple, they present- presented Jesus in the temple on the 40th day. Sometime after the presentation is when the Magi return to their own country by another route and the angel wakes Joseph up and tells him to flee into Egypt. So the Magi find Jesus in a house, not in the stable. They didn't come on December 25th. They came 12 days after on, uh, in January. What is January for us? So quick synopsis there on the Magi. But the point of today's show is this biblical worldview. We want God's vision of the world. And in these times of confusion, We need to cast out the fear by asking the Holy Spirit to come in and perfect love within us and fill us with his trust in God's plan for us. And that plan is love. God is love. And that love doesn't mean we won't suffer, but we'll suffer with a joy, not human happiness, not the emotion of happiness, but a joy, the same joy that Christ knew in his suffering on the cross. Thank you for joining us for Bible with the Barbers. Share this program, like it, tell your friends about it. I have Bible study on Tuesday night at the Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina on 381 West Center Street. I hope you can join us Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. And um, thank you for your support and your prayers. If you can give financial help, that's wonderful. We appreciate it. Most especially support us with your prayers and your sacrifices. Hope to see you again next week. Same time, same station.